Welcome one and welcome all to this episode of the DFS podcast here on the PFN YouTube channel and well, obviously the podcast channel as well. However, you are digesting your podcast. I'm Derek Tate alongside the one and only Kyle Soppy. You can find him at Kyle Soppy PFN on Twitter, X, whatever you would like to call it nowadays. And speaking of nowadays, Soppy, it's a start of another week. We are officially through the first month of NFL action. How have you been feeling about a lot of your DFS lineups through the first month of the season? You know, it's kind of like a toddler learning how to walk. Like you start getting some more data. I feel like I'm I'm growing. I can I start holding the couch and I'm starting to walk on my own. Whereas you're just kind of shooting blind for the first month. Like, yeah, you've got data from 2022, but that is what it is. A lot of things change. From offensive line to trends to weather, to, there's a million things that go into it that change. But now that we have four weeks under our belt, it's time to hit our stride. It's time to get rolling. And I think this is a good week to do it. I kind of like what we're setting up here in week five. So you mentioned toddler being able to walk. I've got two toddler little girls, little girl dad action sure. here. And boy, oh boy, they go at their own pace. Sometimes <laughs> they take off. It takes a little bit for them to kind of stumble when they're learning how to walk. Mm -hmm. And then my youngest boy, she just takes off running. And that's how I feel like I've hit on some of my stacks starting this season. Sure. I feel pretty good about a lot of them. So, but hey, we got a lot of data. We got a month full of uh, NFL games to be able to dissect and then project moving into the future. So let's go ahead and f come out firing away. What's your stack of the week? for DFS lineups in week five. We've got a lot of the big guns on this slate. We've had some of these slates where Mahomes is in prime time or Josh Allen's in prime time and Josh Allen's not going to be a part of this slate, but you get the idea. We've been kind of void of these top heavy quarterback weeks. That's not the case this week. We've got a lot of firepower at the top and wedged right in there. We've got like MVP candidates. You've got Kirk Cousins who's leading the world in touchdown passes. Wedged right in the middle of all that. You have Anthony Richardson, who's a rookie obviously, but he's his name's going to look out of place to you with the company he's keeping on the price board this week. And I think that's okay. He's been a very viable fantasy option right now. And he's completing under 57% of his passes. Like he hasn't done anything right through the air. And he's still been viable through the air. And guess what? He gets the Titans this week. Who everybody's viable against unless you're Joe Burrow. But everybody's viable against the Titans these days through the air. So if you're giving me the upside that comes naturally with him running every single week. Now layered in with some upside through the air. Could he be a double bonus guy that goes 300-100? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's not, not going to happen. It's got a threat. And 29% of his targets are being funneled to Michael Pittman. So we have a concentrated offense, a productive offense, in a great spot to me. I think it's going to be under roster. I mean, you're looking at like a $2,500 savings on a Kelsey Mahomes stack or on Hurts and Brown. Like they're, you're putting money back in your pocket. And I'm not sure you're losing all that much upside by going with Pittman and Richardson this week. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about trying to save money on some of those top elite options, whether it be even, I, I think throwing in the names of like Tua Tunga Bailoa and Tyree Kill is obviously another one that we can, sure. you know, discuss or consider. Of course, every single week, they're not a bad play. But another name that I really like for this week or another stack, excuse me, is that of Lamar Jackson, who's just, I think, $800 more expensive than Anthony Richardson mm -hmm. at the quarterback position. But then about $1,000 cheaper, or like $900 cheaper at the wide receiver position is Zay Flowers. And it feels as if Zay Flowers is due it's for coming. a big game. Like, yeah, it's coming. It's been on the horizon. I know last week was the first time he failed to score 10 fantasy points. Uh, 
the entire season, and it took them four weeks against the team, the the stingiest defense in the NFL last or last week against the Cleveland Browns. They're not going to be playing the Cleveland Browns again this week. No. So this feels like the game. I, I think he's one of like he's in the top five for players for most targets without a without touchdown a score, through the first that, month yeah. of the season. So Zay Flowers is due. Lamar Jackson's been playing at a really high level. I mean, whenever you're able to put up that amount of point totals against the number one defense in the league, you have to take notice. Jackson's been playing pretty darn good football and producing as a passer. I think that he continues to evolve as a passer, and I think that we see probably one of his best games through the air against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that has been struggling against opposing passing games and including opposing number one wide receiver so far this season. Yeah, definitely no problem with that call. The only concern would be Mark Andrews. It's it's can you roster Lamar Jackson in a stack situation without Mark Andrews? Can he get there through the air without Mark Andrews going bananas? I don't know. Or maybe you double stack it, but then you double stack it. You worry about the rushing kind of taking away. It's, it's a fluid situation. I think you can be unique in however you decide to attack that because I think Jackson isn't going to come in as the highest owned quarterback. And then there's different ways like what we're saying. He could be, you could run him out with no receivers. Like you could say he's getting two rushing touchdowns for the third straight week. And that's all I want with it. Or you could go Zay Flowers or you can go Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews, or you could go just Mark Andrews. So there's a lot of ways to split up the ownership, which I don't think is going to be overwhelming. So I like where you're headed in Baltimore this weekend. There we go. So with that quarterback stack, so for you, it's the Colts stack. For me, it's the Ravens stack. Who's a running back that you really want to target alongside that Indianapolis stack this week? And maybe this is Charlie Brown trying to kick a football here, but we got the coach speak earlier this week about Brees Hall being finally unleashed, which is something we've been asking for. I'm still not sure that the upside of this offense makes him a top 15 guy in season long the rest of the season, but if he's going to be unleashed against a Denver Broncos defense, they just can't stop anybody. At one point against the Bears, they had given up 17 touchdowns in a 24-drive stretch. Like, that is just bananas. And this offense isn't going to move the ball any other way. I get that Zach Wilson looked better last week. I'm going I'm to need to see more than three good quarters out of Zach Wilson before I buy into him as a legitimate threat to move the ball up and down the field. So they need to rely on Brees Hall. He feels like the guy over Delvin Cook, at the shell of Delvin Cook at this point, under three yards per carry. I just... I was dead wrong on that, and I'm willing to admit that, and that's why you admit that now, so that you can gain on Hall almost six yards of carry the Broncos are giving up this year. I, I don't see – and I'm, I'm falling for it. I will go with the coach speak. I will buy into what they're selling. Brees Hall, for me, a very reasonable buy against Denver this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely the opponent for me. That, oh, yeah. that, that's that's what it is. Is the, it's the opponent, and we saw a struggling Justin Fields and Chicago Bears offense. Right, they looked pretty pedestrian, if not putrid, through the first three weeks of the NFL season. Then all of a sudden, they get the cure to all of their offensive ailments yeah. by playing the Denver Broncos. <laughs> they have a run hundred yard rusher and Khalil Herbert, who previously never even topped fifty yards in any previous game. And then you know Fields has a career day through the air, throwing over three hundred yards and four touchdown passes. So while yeah, I cer certainly still have my concerns about Zach Wilson, still have my concerns about this Jets offensive production as a whole. If there is one week to go ahead and invest in Brees mm -hmm. Hall at the price point of $5,400, it would be against what has been a historically bad rush defense there for the Broncos this week. I'm on board with that. Another person I'm on board with is a guy that just tied his career high in total touches in a week. That is Isaiah Pacheco of the Kansas City Chiefs facing off against the Minnesota Vikings. 
Soppy, I don't know about you, but it seems as if whenever the Minnesota Vikings go up against a capable offense that they end up having to throw the ball quite a bit, it's right? A shootout, and it yeah. ends up kind of going in a, an up-and-down affair, kind of a shootout-type scenario. And if that's going to be the case with this Kansas City offense, we know they are capable of having a shootout with any team in the National Football League. But it feels as if, Soppy, while they're trying to figure out exactly who they really can trust at the wide receiver position, whether it's Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. While they're trying to figure out that passing game, it seems as if they're leaning on the running game a little bit more. And Pacheco is, you know, last week had one of his, if not his best day in the NFL. So I, I believe we're going, and against a pretty good Jets defense too. Oh, yeah. I mean, th this was not a cupcake matchup that he just tore up like the Chicago Bears followed up that Bears performance and actually improved upon it against a pretty good Jets defense. So in, in a game that's going to generate probably a lot of scoring opportunities and, and a team that's still trying to figure out their, you know, pecking order behind Travis Kelsey in the passing game, kind of like Isaiah Pacheco this week. Love it. He runs so hard. And you see a running style like that, that doesn't slump. Like you'll see even Barry Sanders, guys like that that bounce outside and need the big run to pay off a week like those guys are going to have bad weeks just by the nature of their skill set pacheco is not that not that he doesn't i mean we saw the 50 yard touchdown last week he offers that breakaway potential but that running style to me is slump proof i love where you're headed here that energy that he runs it's with amazing. it looks like he's just it's angry amazing. right I, <laughs> I mean it's like he's the he's the kid at a sleepover that parents didn't allow to have sugar like oh yeah and he's loaded PM. up at noon or uh, midnight yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he he's just he is such a energizer bunny for this for this offense and he he's been someone that has been fantastic. It was it's a good call. You were high on him heading into the season and so far through the first month, very very encouraging returns. And speaking of encouraging returns, we've been seeing a lot of traffic with our DFS optimizer, our fantasy trade analyzer and our start sit optimizer over at profootballnetwork.com. Go ahead and check out any of those tools. They're free to use. They are free tools that give you such a big advantage when you're trying to decide, should I do a trade? Should I insert, is this the right DFS lineup to help maximize mm -hmm. my you know, chances of being able to win my cash contest or my tournament contest? And then also the start set optimizer. We're optimizing and updating our rankings. You know, me, you, Kyle Yates and, and Katz as well. Everybody we're, we're contributing to that tool so you guys can always go to it and say hey should i start sit this person we can go ahead and insert that into your into the tool and it's going to go ahead and shoot out our recommendation based off of our rankings but we also have here on the pfn fantasy youtube channel we have our live streams on sunday mornings i'm there from 11 to 11 30 on the youtube channel Kyle Yates over on Twitter is Kyle Y NFL. He goes from 1130 to noon. And then the great Kyle Sapi right here goes from 12 to 1230 heading into the 1 p.m. slate, uh, taking your live start sit questions. So please go ahead and subscribe, you know, hit the like button so we can pay homage to the Lord algorithm. Of course, get the bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new video, a new video here on the YouTube channel as well. And. While I'm still going and going and going, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the Super Draft opportunity as well. So you player prop players, listen up. The NFL is back, and Super Draft has an exclusive free play to win up to 100 times your entry for PFN listeners. Look, imagine this. Monroe St. Brown's current receiving yard line is just half a yard. If he catches just one pass for more than a yard, 
against the Carolina Panthers, you're a winner. But wait, there's more. Sign up now and score an instant $20 deposit bonus on the deposits of $20 or more when you use the promo code PFN. So don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Smash a winning player prop entry and claim your free play and bonus today. I just talked a whole lot. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it very quickly over to you as we gear back towards trying to focus on creating our optimal roster for the DFS Week 5 slate on Sunday. At the quarterback position, you already mentioned Anthony Richardson. Who else stands out to you for this Sunday slate? Yeah, I like Richardson, and I like your call of Lamar Jackson. If you're going to the tippy top of the board, which I get some people are going to want exposure to just because you've got all these elite talents, I have no problem with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, you mentioned the high-scoring nature of all Viking games and the close nature of all Viking games. They're the freaking Chargers. It's no different. They've allowed 95 points. They've scored 90 this season. It's going to be tight, and when it's tight, Patrick Mahomes makes plays really not that crazy. It is going to be chalky, so you have to get different elsewhere, but... Again, no issue there. If you're paying down, if you're going down the board further than Richardson, further than Jackson, Jared Goff plays at home. And like, I have a reminder on my phone set for Sunday at 10 a.m. Play Jared Goff when he's at home. Like I've set it up. I've plugged in the Lions schedule and it's just a reminder that this is something you need to do every single time it happens because all he does is produce there. His top two games this season, home games. 23 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio last season when playing at Detroit. It's just a different animal. If Carolina tries to control the game, maybe they can bleed the clock a little bit like what they did last week, or maybe not. Maybe they can't do that because that's hard to do against a Detroit team that can get you in a hurry. If they shut down David Montgomery, Jared Goff could go for like 350 yards in a heartbeat. And you know who to stack them with. You've got Laporta and St. Brown. So Jared Goff, my top pay down option at the quarterback position. I like it. I like it. I mean, I'm actually going to go on the flip side of that Patrick Mahomes matchup with, you know, Kirk Cousins just because he's been so productive through the air. And we've seen that once the Vikings either fall behind or their running game is ineffective, they will just let Kirk Cousins Mm -hmm. throw the ball all over the yard. So in the first three games, it was 44 passing attempts in week one, 44 in week two, 50 in week three against the Chargers. So this Kansas City defense has been better than we thought. Um, While I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Alexander Madison over the last two weeks and still think that he's a a decent running back two option for this week, I don't know if the efficiency is going to be there like it's been the last two weeks, in particular against Carolina because their offense can't score points. Kansas City can. So it's a matter of not if but when the Vikings are going to become a pass heavy team to try to keep up with Kansas city in this contest, in my opinion. So it, it cousins while maybe kind of a chalky play as well, because of the probably a lot of points that are going to be scored in this game. Uh, I still think that he's kind of worth paying up uh, at the quarterback position. So let's go ahead and transition to the wide receiver position. Who do you got this week? I like Jose Flowers call from earlier, so not going to regurgitate that, but he's got an 83% catch rate. So, I mean, those are high percentage, high volume targets. DraftKings is PPR. Like those pseudo handoffs are points. And then if he makes a play, it multiplies in a hurry. Chris Olave, he's going to bounce back. Like the dude's just too good. If Derek Carr is reasonably healthy, which, you know, pay attention to reports, because if he's not, we're going to see Alvin Kamara with 13 catches for 33 yards again. And that's going to be a problem for Olave in his downfield role. But New England's given up 75 yards or touchdown to each of the top two targets in every offense that they faced this season, or in three out of four games this year. I think that could very well continue. Alave, the alpha in New Orleans, and a buy low spot if people are 
scared off or trep- trepidatious, trep- moving with caution after uh, after a dud week four. If you're going way down the board here, we mentioned can- this Kansas City-Minnesota game earlier. Rasheed Rice, I think, is a way to get off of some ownership. Kelsey, obviously, going to be popular. Hawkinson, going to be popular. Jefferson, Addison, Cousins, Mahomes, everybody's going to be popular. I don't know how much usage Rasheed Rice gets there. So if you want to go a little under the radar and get some exposure to that game without having to pay a premium for it, I think Rice is a way to do it. Five targets in three out of four games. Minnesota, the top blitz team in all the land. So that means some quick dump-off passes, and Rice very clearly has the lowest A dot among the regulars in that Chiefs offense. So could you see like a Zay Flowers game out of Rasheed Rice, like a six for 50, and maybe he can take one to the house if he gets loose? I think it's possible, and the price tag doesn't reflect too much optimism. So I think he's a good pay-down option. No, I, I like the thought process for Rasheed Rice. Uh, I'm just hoping that eventually we get an answer at who the Sometime. wide receiver play oh is on God. a weekly basis there in Kansas City. We haven't quite gotten it yet, but that's that's an interesting correlation between how aggressive the Vikings defense is and the you know kind of A dot and expanded role that we've kind of seen flashes of Getting from there. Rasheed Rice uh, through the first month of the season. One price point that ha- doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me, and it's right alongside Zay Flowers, is the I think the number one wide receiver for the Houston Texans oh, yeah. through the first couple of weeks, and that's Nico Collins. Um, look, I, I now game script could be a potential issue if the Atlanta Falcons, who like you said, they 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 want to run the football, it bleeds the clock, you know, kind of you know tightens and shortens the game up a little bit. If that offense is able to sustain sustain drives, we haven't seen a whole lot from Desmond Ritter that makes me feel confident that this team is going to just punch the Houston Texans in the mouth, though, and and be able to score enough points. And if they even if they do have some success, that means C.J. Stroud is going to have to continue to throw the ball more than 30 times a game, which he's been pretty effective and efficient through the air, in particular when throwing the ball to Nico Collins. So Nico Collins only being $5,400. you know, I understand that AJ Terrell is a pretty darn good corner and and stuff of that nature, but I, I just I see the weekly volume being there for Nico Collins. He's producing with his opportunities, and I just I, that price point just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and Collins has been producing, I'm just going to keep playing it. So eventually it's going to jump up if, if Collins keeps playing the way that he's been playing. If it doesn't make sense to you, it makes dollars. Is that what you're saying here? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I I, th- I like um, where you're headed here. The volume is safe in that offense because they just want to throw the ball. They have no interest in running the ball with Damian Pierce, nor should they. That has looked awful, and that offensive line can't block for him anyway. So I like where you're headed there. Obviously, you're betting on volume to cancel out AJ Terrell. So I mean, it, it's risky, and as long as you acknowledge that risk that comes with it, I have no problem with that. We saw Terrell lock down Kelvin Ridley for the most part, but did give up a long touchdown on a miscommunication. That can happen. So even in a shadow situation, doesn't mean completely fade him. Just be aware that it's uh, it's an option. It's right. something. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. It, and it's certainly a thing that that could affect his efficiency for sure. And I'm and I and I think that that is the case. It's just, you know, he's Nico Collins has still been good enough this season Agreed. with the volume. You know, I still think that he's going to get his against even one of the better corners in the NFL. So transition to the running back position. Who is there anybody that stands out in this Falcons Houston's uh, matchup that may be making an appearance in your DFS play this uh, this week? Yeah, if you're going to the top of the board here, I think Bijan Robinson makes a ton of sense. And you mentioned Nico Collins, so I don't mind going to 
a mini game stack here. If you think Bijan is going to get his on the ground, maybe gets Atlanta to a lead, which means Houston's behind. It gives them an excuse to start throwing. Those passes go to Collins, as you just said. So I don't mind kind of this lineup construction that we organically put together here. I mean, Bijan, usually you see a little bit of a learning curve when these guys get to the NFL. Over five and a half yards per carry in three out of four. He's seen five targets in every single game this year. And Houston's already given up seven rush touchdowns. What's not to like about this guy? He looks different. And I get that that was the scouting report and you and the film guys and all those guys told us that coming in. But seeing it with is jarring. Like this guy's been in my life for a month and I feel like he sold me as if I've seen him for like three, four, five years and have all this sample size to build on. He is just so... He's so good. Like it, I'm a spreadsheet guy. I'm a numbers guy. There aren't numbers to put together what he like. He makes six right. yard catches look amazing. He makes Desmond Ritter look passable. He makes this offensive line look okay. So Bijan Robinson at the top of the board. If you're going that direction, all in there. Two guys a little further down the board. James Conner. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's getting 80% of the work against the Bengals defense. It's the third worst in yards per carry against. So that should be an efficient game. There's going to be people betting on a Burrow chase stack to to finally get things right in Cincinnati and that might happen but that's going to draw ownership away from Connor because if they're putting up points Connor gets game scripted out a little bit so I think you catch a little bit of an advantage in game theory play in Connor and Gus Edwards you mentioned Lamar and Zay Flowers I, I think we're pretty clearly on Baltimore in this spot and if it's not those two it's Gus Edwards he had 15 carries last week no other right. running back had more than three comes with touchdown upside if Lamar doesn't you know cash in those four short touchdowns Maybe it's Gus getting one or two. So I think he's a nice play if you're going off of the Lamar, Flowers, Andrews stack. You can't play him with those guys because he didn't catch passes. But if you want to go the other direction, Edwards is a fine way to get exposure to that Baltimore offense. Yeah, no, I, I so I understand the plays with Gus Edwards and in particular with the Arizona Cardinals uh, at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, I think a lot of folks are overlooking the fact that the Bengals, I think, are ranked 31st against opposing rushing attacks They're so terrible. far this season. Um, they've been they've been rough uh, against uh, opposing rush uh, running backs, and James Conner's getting the volume every single week. And the Arizona Cardinals' offense has looked better than a lot of us expected, including they they had a multi-score lead in both home games this season, yeah, and I that was against what two playoff teams from last season. So, I mean, this isn't, I just don't want to like dismiss what the Cardinals have done um, at home. And I think that this is going to be a trickier game. I'm actually calling the upset. I think the Cardinals win this game at home against as home dogs against the Cincinnati Bengals because Joe Burrow just isn't healthy, man. He isn't right. So um, until that, that's the case. And I believe in Burrow and I love Burrow and I want to see a good Joe Burrow. So I hope I'm wrong. But what we've seen so far is concerning. So, uh, but yeah, Bijan Robinson, it's, it's always interesting to hear someone like yourself who is so knowledgeable when it comes to the, the numbers and the data. I've always tried to explain it saying, look, as many, as many numbers as you may have, as far as like for, for Saquon Barkley or Bijan Robinson, a spreadsheet can't account for him being able to jump cut from the tight end all the way to the center because he's just so twitchy and explosive. That's hard to put into a a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And when you see it on the field, his natural feel and how elusive he is, it's just different. So it's nice to hear you say that because it's just, 
it confirms like, yeah, man, this guy's just different than what, we, than what we normally see. Like we see the difference between, I think that there is a Grand Canyon size difference between him and Jameer Gibbs. And that's no offense to Gibbs. Yeah. Gibbs is awesome. But Dijon is that <laughs> yeah. special. It, to me, that's yeah. how that's how special he is. So. I mean, just the gap, be- the gap between him and Algier. Like Algier was a thousand yard rusher as a rookie. Like that doesn't happen all the time. And he looks like, he looks like mean. Like the difference, the difference between Algier and me feels like the difference between Bijan and Algier, which obviously isn't the case, but it feels that way watching the games. No, Algier is a competent yes. pro. <laughs> he is a competent pro in the NFL. And every time you see him carry the ball, you get frustrated because it's like, how can you justify yeah, taking opportunities away from someone like Bijan? I get it. We get it. We're all on board with it. But Bijan is a great play this week against the Houston Texans. My, my, you know, kind of tater special at the running back position. Do we not think that the, the, the Miami Dolphins are going to be playing with a lead against the New York Giants this week? 11 point favorites as they should be. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. So I don't think the Giants are going to be able to keep pace. I think for a fifth straight week, the New York Giants are going to be staring a double digit deficit in the first half in the face again. And to me, take your pick or in a real spicy here's my hot take you're gonna take them both (laughs) you can start them both raheem mostert and devon achan i i know that that sounds wild but in a game script in a matchup where i believe the miami dolphins are going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder after they got humiliated by the buffalo bills the giants can't score points they're going to be getting possession after possession back if the giants can't sustain drives I just see both players probably seeing north of 10 touches in this game. Mm -hmm. And if that is the case, I see that there's being a pretty good chance both of them find the end zone. Maybe Achan being a little bit more productive um, with maybe Mostert seeing a couple extra touches, but it's going to be pretty even. That's why they're back-to-back as far as the price points uh, on DraftKings this week. I think they're both good plays, and I, I wouldn't be against just rolling them both into your lineup if you really want to go against the grain that that is spicy for sure i i can't get there just from a sheer math standpoint trying to make this work it it obviously worked when they played denver if they hang 70 i'm going to be wrong because everybody in that offense is going to eat it's tough for me to get there with both i don't mind picking one and like you said they're priced back to back so the field is going to have to make a decision you can't neither one of them is going to be heavily owned because half the ownership is going to go to the other one like it's that unclear of a committee. If you want to go with both, I do think that's different. It's not cheap. Like you're going to have to work, yeah, right. work your way around it. And that really needs to hit. If they, if they struggle, then you're going to obviously pay a price here, but the odds sure. that they struggle are low. The game script. I like where you're going there. There's a lot of outs for that to work in a negative way because they've got elite receivers sure. in their past happy offense. But if it works and it hits, man, you are printing money. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's just a, it's just a suggestion. It's something that would, again, not be a strategy that a lot of folks would deploy, which is something that you could take advantage of if that game script hits. So let's move to the tight end position. And this is, I mean, tight end feels like it's interesting every week. Who you got for week five? I I hate the tight end position. You mentioned zigging when other people (laughs) zag. So maybe this is a Taysom Hill week. Maybe we could go that route. I mean, he has 20 carries through the first month of the season, they're getting them involved. And if you want to, if you don't want to buy my Chris Olave speech, 
and say that, hey, Derek Carr's still hurt. Like, I've had shoulder injuries. They don't go away in a hurry. He's still going to be banged up. If that's the case, go ahead and bet against Olave. Bet on Taysom Hill because he's going to be the answer. He could be getting some of those short Kamara targets. He could be taking snaps under center to keep Carr upright. There could be an avenue for Taysom Hill. If he gets his hands on the ball 10 times, and I don't care if it's passing, throwing, catching, whatever, then he's going to pay off as a tight end just because it takes so little to pay off at the tight end position. If you want to pay up, you want the safe route, I'm in on Mark Andrews. We mentioned this game 100 times, so I'm not going to overdo it here, but in three out of four games against the Steelers, the top player, the top target against them has had at least 125 yards and not one, but two touchdowns. That's Ayuk, Devontae Adams, and Nico Collins lit him up last week. So if you think that's Andrews in that spot, he could break the slate. Nothing against that. If you are if you think he does that, you have to put Lamar with him and build from there. So no issue with that. So I'm on board with Mark Andrews. Taysom Hill is still more expensive than Zach Ertz. You love Zachary's. $400. And don't get me wrong. I, I, everything you just mentioned about Taysom Hill, I get it. On board with it. Of course, any, any given week, he could be the tight end one because of how the Saints use him. I, but at $3,500. Oh, yeah. That's you know, Zach Ertz, you know, Hawkinson's $6,500, right? He's seen 31 targets this season. Zach Ertz has seen 30, and he's $3,000 cheaper. Like, I I get that the Arizona offense is different than the Minnesota Vikings offense. I understand. But like you said, in a position that just you need targets to really be relevant, there's a guy that at a very reasonable price range is seeing a lot, like a leading target share for his team at the tight end position that's $3,500 and it's a month sample size. It's not one week. It's a month sample size. I'm just on that alone. Like, and I'm not even talking about breaking down tape and you know how they move Zach Ertz all over the formation and how he's third in red zone targets and all of, I'm not going that deep into it. I'm trying to make it very simple. He's sure. seeing targets and he's $3,500. What am I missing here? Am I, am I crazy? Soppy? I don't think you're crazy. It's a lack of a ceiling that hurts him for me. But if you're talking on, and this is the importance of knowing where you play in the style of game in which you play. If you're on DraftKings and his full PPR, Zach Ertz, like you said, underpriced because you're getting a point for every one of those catches. So even if he puts up one of these weirdo Kamara lines where it's like four yards a catch, that's fine because if he gets six, seven, eight catches, those are high volume, high value targets. They can rack up the PPR points without doing much. He dropped the touchdown last week. If he ever scores one of these weeks, like it's going to be a problem given the volume, given the safety of those looks. In like FanDuel where you're not getting the full point PPR, I could see pivoting off of them. So it depends where you play. It's important to know your game and what you're aiming for. I don't think Zach Ertz is winning somebody a million dollars this week. Like I don't think that kind of upside's in his bag. But if you want to cash out, on like a triple up or something like that, then I'm fine. I'm more than fine with targeting that volume and moving on. There you go. There you go. All right. Speaking of moving on, moving on to the defensive position, we got to do it for DraftKings. So who do we like defense uh, special teams for week five? I'm going to clump two together here. And I think they could be leading and force the other team to throw tier. I think the Colts could do it. If you want to put my stack, with Richardson and Pittman and sliding the Colts is that stack, the Colts defense that is, as a stack option, I'm with it. I mean, if Richardson and Pittman are going off, 
that means the Colts are scoring. And if the Colts are scoring, that means the Titans are trailing. And if the Titans are, you following me here? If the Titans are trailing, that means Ryan Tannehill's throwing the ball often. That's a bet I'm willing to bet against. So that's fine. And the same, same general ideas with the Saints. If Derek Carr is right and they start putting up points on the Patriots defense, and you're telling me Mac Jones is dropping back 40 times against a good Saints defense, like I will go ahead and embrace that price point, slide in the Saints. I mean, the, the freaking Patriots are bottom six in both yards per carry and yards per pass. Like, they literally do nothing well. The Saints defense mm-hmm. is better than that. If they get out in front and they force the Patriots to be one-dimensional, this could get ugly fast and in a hurry. That puts upside on the table for the Saints D. Interesting. No, I know. I I see your your line of thinking, right? The <laughs> the uh, the yeah, crystal the ball that yeah. you know trying to predict the game script. I, I like it. I like it. One defense that I I've seen signs of life from pretty much every single week is the Jets defense. Yeah, and they're going into Denver, which is not an easy place to play, but. I don't know if we can definitively say this Denver offense has really been tested yet so far in 2023. What they so they had the the Raiders to start the season. They only put up 16 points. They played the Commanders uh, in what ended up being a shootout. And the, the Commanders front, while talented, they're still having their own issues on the back end. Um, you know, they scored 33 points, but that was on a like six of those points came on a hail mary on the last play of the game. Um, then the Bronx, uh, they played the dolphins got blown off the football field and then they fell behind. What was it? You know, 21 to seven through halftime against the Chicago bears. Like, I'm not a hundred percent certain that I believe in this Denver Broncos offense quite yet. It's shown flashes and I trust Sean Payton as an offensive mind, but you can't tell me after the New York Jets gave the Kansas City Chiefs all they could handle Latin in week four that they may not be going into Denver thinking we can take this game just defensively and see if they can take the soul of this Denver like squad at in their house. I could see this defense playing with that type of edge and chip on their shoulder. So... Russell Wilson, who is also, I think, uh, he's among the league leaders in uh, being sacked, yeah. tends to hold the ball. I, I could see, I could see some potential mistakes being made, uh, and in this being a pretty low-scoring contest. Even though I'm on board with Brees Hall this week, but it's only because I think the Broncos' rush defense is is, is terrible. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair where Brees Hall is heavily involved and. You know, we'll see if this Broncos offense can have success against, I think, their biggest defensive test so far this season. I like that call. And if Brees Hall, like you could stack Brees Hall with the defense and kind of tell the story that way. What I encouraged about in this matchup is that you've got a banged up Broncos backfield. If they're not comfortable running the ball, dropbacks lead to fantasy points, especially dropbacks that aren't that valuable. Russell Wilson can stretch the field, can hit some deep balls, but he can also put the ball in harm's way. So if you... If you want to tell that story, a banged up backfield, the Jets jump out early, take a lead, ball control, and Russ has to make plays and force things. I think you could see a pick six. Like, I mean, if if he's really trying to get overly aggressive, I like where you're headed here, and it's not going to cost you too much. Speaking of which, that we basically built out our entire DFS roster. So what's the hot take of the week, Mr. Soppy? I and 
this thought crosses my mind because the way you you put these things on a spreadsheet and everything, it looks good more often than it doesn't. But I think it actually works this week is putting two tight ends in your lineup. I think it's viable. It's it's hard to do because tight end production is so variant and you know it's hard to it's hard to get one right, let alone two. But you look at right. the top of the board. You got Kelsey, he's Travis Kelsey, he'll be fine. Hawkinson, volumes there, catch up spot against Kelsey. So I'm good there. Mark Andrews, we talked about earlier. Darren Waller in a catch-up spot against the Dolphins. If they're behind the whole game, he's their top target. You know, I'm not saying I'm confident in the Giants defense, but if they're playing from behind and Daniel Jones has to throw the ball 37 times instead of 27, puts Waller in a spot to pay off the price tag. And then Sam Laporta, like he's up there too. All he's done, and I know you're high on him, is show out this season. I mentioned home golf earlier. That carries over to his pass catchers. I get that Jamison Williams is back, and maybe that suppresses some of Laporta's ownership, thinking that he's now the third option in that pass game instead of the second. I'm not sold on that being the case. I think he's still number two in terms of the target hierarchy in Detroit, and I think that pays off in a big way with Goff at home against the Panthers' defense I don't trust. So two tight ends in your lineup wins big this week. That is your soppy, spicy take for week five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the soppy spicy take that's what i need to dub it for there it is before we sign off on any one of these so speaking of signing off uh we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this dfs episode for week number five go ahead if you have not yet done so go ahead and hit the like button if you're watching here on youtube go ahead and subscribe to the youtube channel so you don't miss any of the video content that we drop on a weekly basis if you're listening to this via podcast go ahead and uh rate and review this podcast please give us a five star that's that's all we ask we're doing this we're pumping out the content. All we need you to do is just take, you know, 20 seconds out of your day, click a five-star review, drop us a little review in, in the in the comment section as well. We really appreciate all the love and support. We've seen a ton of growth uh, through the first month of the, of the season and beyond. Uh, of course, feel free to also check out the DFS Optimizer, Fantasy Trade Analyzer, Start Set Optimizer tools that we have over at ProFootballNetwork.com. And then, Make sure to set your calendar. Uh, We're going to be going live from 1130 to 1230, um, whether it be on the YouTube channel or on Twitter, to take your start sit questions on Sunday mornings the entire 2023 NFL season. For Kyle Soppy, I'm Derek Tate. And until next time, later, says the tater.